Blog Talk Radio. Interviewing your favorite musicians, comedians, and other creative souls. This is the Carrie Edelman Show. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Carrie Edelman Show. We have an amazing country rock band coming on tonight momentarily named the Phillips Fox Band, and these guys are amazing. It's actually going to be the first country rock band that I have on my show, so it's going to be a really cool, special evening for these guys to come on and promote their new album, which is going to be coming out September 2nd, titled Heartland. So before I bring them on, just want to introduce people to my show, if you're new and tuning in tonight. I created the show, I can't believe it's been three years now, and I wanted to create a forum where I could bring people on in the entertainment industry to help support and promote them. A little bit about my background, I have my doctorate degree in clinical psychology, so one of the things I really enjoy doing is using my background to interview people. Um, I do mention that although I'm a clinical psychologist, my show is purely meant for entertainment purposes and we are not going to be doing formal therapy on the air, um, so people sometimes like to joke around, and we do do some educational stuff, but for the most part, we're really promoting the bands on the show. And the other guests that I have on, too, which can range from comedians, filmmakers, um, entrepreneurs, anyone doing something interesting in the entertainment industry. So before I bring them on, I just want to also mention my other background is in entertainment. I have an album out as a solo artist. I do some writing for some magazines. And then the other thing that I do is predominantly my radio show right now. So on my show, you're going to get a really good taste of what these people's lives are like, what it's like to be in their profession. And if you do want to bring up any entertaining stories, potentially embarrassing stories, I am a big fan of comedy. We definitely want to keep our guests on their toes. Um, just please keep any identifying information anonymous because we don't want to personally embarrass or humiliate anyone. So if you're tuning in, please create a Blog Talk Radio account by going to blogtalkradio.com. I do have a chat room open, but I will be predominantly focused on the interview. So if you want to call in tonight, the number is 805-243-1320, and I also have that posted in the chat room. So let me introduce the band, and then I'm going to bring Philip Fox, who is the uh, lead vocalist and guitarist, one of the guitarists of the band, on the air. So these guys are from Ohio, and their music is known, from what I've been reading, as best described as country-fried rock and roll. Fans of the band will be familiar with their first EP, which was released in 2012, titled Motor City Blood. And since this EP had such a major impact on their fans and the audience, the fans were constantly requesting that these guys put out some more music. So after working with the renowned producer Joe Viers, and I apologize if I mispronounce his last name, who is um, renowned for working with artists such as Dr. John, Eric Clapton, and Boba Flex, who I actually had on my show, Two weeks. Um, along with the support of their fans, they put out a Kickstarter campaign, and the band on September 2nd, as I mentioned, will be releasing their debut 12-song full-length album, Heartland, and it's a great album that these guys have out. So be sure to check them out. They are currently on tour. These guys are doing a ton of shows, so go to their website at philipboxband.com, and they will be headlining some slots at the Ohio Bike Week playing larger festivals such as Buckle Up Alabama, which feature Alabama, Willie Nelson, Jamie Johnson, and many more. So again, visit these guys at philipfoxband.com and be sure to pick up a copy of their album on September 2nd. Lastly, I want to thank Doug Weber from New Ocean Media for coordinating the interview. I have done many interviews with him, and it's always a pleasure to bring his artists and bands on my uh, show. 
So let's bring Philip Fox on. Hey, Philip, how are you? I'm doing great, Carrie. Can you hear me? Good. Welcome. Yeah, yeah, I can hear you great. You sound great. Welcome to the show. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Cool. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to helping you guys out, supporting this new album you have, and we'll play a couple of songs tonight so people can get a taste of uh, what's to come. Excellent. Sound good? So why don't we start out? I always like to kind of do like a timeline thing. My my interviews are a little different. Um, again, I don't, I'm don't. i not going to be asking anything too personal, but, you know, if you don't feel comfortable answering something, just let me know, and I go in the direction that you guys want to go in, too. But um, I'd like to start out with just tell me a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up? Um, what were you like as a kid? What were some of your interests? Uh, well, I was born in the, the Detroit metro area, and my family moved around the Detroit area a bit when I was growing up. Um, when I was 12, we moved out to the country. Uh, they just weren't really happy with what was going on in the city. I remember there was a, I remember coming home from school, like fourth grade, and there was a SWAT team breaking in the neighbor's house, and they were oh, raiding it. It was some kind of a drug den or whatever. So they, were, they decided to get the family out of there, and they bought a little plot uh, down just, just uh, between Monroe and the Ohio border. And uh, okay. so that's where I spent my high school years. And so I think that kind of, you know, that played more of a role in the kind of music I've decided to play, you know, as I've gotten older than I would have realized at the time. Um, right. But, well, just, yeah. That, just digressing digressing back a little bit, not to interrupt, because I don't want to fast forward too quickly. You know, when you were a younger kid, was there a certain type of music when you lived in the Detroit area that you were you know, gravitating towards that maybe changed over time as you started to move out, like you said, towards Ohio? Well, you know what's funny is when I was a kid, when we lived, when we, when, you know, we lived in a neighborhood, I was always out, you know, playing with my friends, and, you know, mm-hmm. riding bikes and whatever. And the, the big music at that time, I mean, that was, you know, the late 80s, early 90s. And I remember just being so not interested in anything that I was hearing, you know, I mean, I, you know, I didn't own my own stereo. So you were just kind of left up to whatever someone was playing at the house you were at or what was blasting you right. know, through the store store radio or whatever. And I, and I don't know, I just, it's a very distinct memory I have. And when we moved out to the country, my dad ha- had a room in the house that he was able to set up like his turntable. And, you know, he pulled out his old record collection because we'd gone through everything when we moved. And I shortly after we moved in, he he sat me down and we spent a whole night, literally all night. Like it was six a.m. when we were finished, and he would just walk me through his record collection. And it was the Eagles and Jim Croce and Terry Chapin, nice. and it was really quality songwriting stuff from the '70s. And you know that one night has stuck with me probably more than the first you know twelve or thirteen years of my life. Right, right. And when you're talking about your dad, was was he involved in music or anyone else in your family as we're kind of still talking about family and you getting into music? No, no. I mean, my you know, my family all, we would always sing in the car and stuff like that. But, I mean, none of them were right. ever musicians or performers or trained in, in, you know, anything like that. So when I showed an interest in playing music, it was actually kind of a, a battle a little bit, you know, to... to was it? Yeah, oh, definitely. I had to, in fact, I had to buy my first guitar. Like, I told my parents I wanted a guitar, and they said, we're not going to buy you one. And so I went out and picked strawberries for a summer and bought my first Stratocaster. Wow. And why were they so, you know, not necessarily, 
I don't know how you want to describe it. I don't want to use a strong word like against it, but what was going on that they didn't want you gravitating towards, you know, potentially being involved in music? Well, I mean, I think I think there were a lot of factors into it, but I'm the oldest of five, you know, and so they, wow. you know, at that point, you know, I, I think my sister Claire had just been born. So, I mean, they had a lot going on, a lot on their plate and, you know. Sure. It was just one of those things. Like, if you want to do this, you're gonna to have to you're gonna to have to figure it out on your own. It's like, okay, well, I really okay. want to do it, so I just went and did it. Nice, nice. So you bought, that was a very cool story. Strawberry picking was how you uh, saved some money for your first guitar. So that was cool. And um, so, when did you start? You know, deciding you really wanted to pursue music. So you're talking about you know moving out there around, like you said, high school years. So what was going on when you decided to say, hey, I really want to choose this type of a career for myself? Probably just a couple of years after that. I mean, I bought my first guitar when I was 12, just taught myself to play, you know, playing in my room. And uh, there were some, you know, friends in high school that wanted to start a band and I had a guitar and an amp. You know, that's kind of how it goes. It's like, oh, you have to right, right, sure. be the guitar player, you know? So <laughs> it just kind of started sure. that way. And, you know, and, and I had been writing too. That was kind of simultaneously to me, you know, learning to play guitar, I just immediately gravitated toward writing my own stuff. And, you know, it was all terrible, but at least it was, you know, an outlet for me at the time. And uh, so I also had some some songs, you know, I'll put that in air quotes, that I had written. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, we just, aside from playing the occasional covers, you know, we'd, we'd work on some stuff that I wrote. And that morphed into a band that I ended up being in all throughout high school. And, uh, cool. you know, by the time we graduated, we were, we were gigging two, three nights a week, playing Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, you know, just kind of bouncing around there. Nice, nice. Now, that's, that was, I'm, I'm assuming that was a prior band before Philip Fox band. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay, okay. How many projects would you say you were in before you guys came together as the band you're currently in? Well, so I, I think getting so heavy into music that early on, I got I got kind of burned out when I graduated high school, and I took a few years off, uh, went to college, okay. got got married, you know, that whole bit. Wow. And, uh, where did you, okay, wait, wait, let's digress a little bit again, because I'm interested in hearing a little <laughs> sure. bit about, where'd you go to school at? Uh, I ended up in Toledo, at University of Toledo. Okay, and what were you studying? Uh, well, I originally started in art. Uh, I did like two years of, of a graphic design program, and mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I mean, I enjoyed it, but I was also my day job that I was paying for school was I was working on computers all day. So it was one of those things. Was like I was on computer. I was on wow. a computer for fifteen hours a day, and I just couldn't take it anymore. So I switched to business. I figured I didn't really know what I wanted to do, and. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have the aptitude for psychology like, like it sounds like you do. So, I just, you know, right. business was the non-psychology's undecided major, so that's what I picked. You there? Yeah, I'm still here. Yep. Oh, okay. So, sorry, yeah. Sorry, sorry. I away yeah, from yeah. it. So you were, wow, so you're multi-talented. You're working in computers. You're studying graphic design. You have this music background. And just, again, real quick, what what was so, I guess, what burnt you out that you were kind of, needed to move away for a little bit from music. What was it that, you know, led to that? I, I mean, you know, I was young. I was 18. I had just a lot of growing up to do. Um, mm-hmm. And being on stage doesn't really facilitate that. You know, in fact, it's, it's sort of 
sort of uh, enables you to be an asshole in a lot of respects. So <laughs> okay, <laughs> right. So it was it was sort of a you know it was one of those decisions like I I don't really like who I am and this is okay, not going to change wow. the, the more I've got to be on stage. So well, that's that's kind of interesting in a way that you have that insight because I'm sure you know being on the road and you know, being so involved in the industry now, as you guys are, you continue to see that stuff, whether you're in your teens or your 30s, 40s, et cetera, you know, in terms of people with, you know, attitudes and egos. So that's pretty interesting that you, you know, recognize something in yourself that you weren't 100% happy with and you wanted to, you know, change a little bit, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, I, yeah, I just, I mean, as I look, think back at that time and there was just a general feeling of dissatisfaction and, right. not, you know, looking back at it now, like it's, it was one of the best decisions I made at the time, you know, I needed that cool. time away and, you know. Okay, yeah, so you, you get through college and you end up majoring in business, you get married, you have kids? I do. I, my my wow. My wife and I have a son, he just turned one. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, he's an awesome, awesome little guy. Nice. And it sounds like your wife is very supportive of you doing the music and, you know, doing a, making a career out of this. Oh, absolutely. She's a saint. Well, <laughs> that's great. So, okay, so why don't you fast forward a little bit to graduating, you get married, and when does the Philip Fox band start to, you know, start to come together? Like how many years ago was that? Uh, so three and a half years ago, um, I had been doing solo stuff. I had released a full-length solo record, and um, you know that that record was recorded live, and I had had some mm-hmm. friends, you know, play with me on that. Um, and I realized in that whole process of making that record that what I really wanted to do was a band project. Like I just, I'm not one of those guys that can replicate my musical vision with just myself and, and one instrument. I just, it wasn't, right. it wasn't working. I wasn't as satisfied. The audiences were, you know, they felt like something was missing. And uh, so it was one of those things where I just realized, okay, I need to put a band around this. And shortly after I came to that realization, I got a call from an old friend, Jonathan, who's now the bass player in the Philip Fox band. Yep. He was living, he was okay. living in Virginia and he and I knew each other from way back in the Toledo days. Um, I was I was working at a studio. Again, this was back when I was 18. And he had come in and done some session work, and we really hit it off. Um, so he heard that I was doing music again, and he heard my solo record. And, you know, he had a cello performance degree and uh, just a really naturally gifted bass player. And he called me up and said, hey, man, I'm, I'm ready to do something, um, you know, are you interested in, in adding more members to what you're doing? And I was like, yes, absolutely. Like it was perfect cool. timing. Yeah. So that's, you know, that was, you know, and it took a little bit of time for him to move up from Virginia to Ohio. Um, but that was about three and a half years ago and we really hit the ground running. I think we did 125 shows uh, that first year. That's crazy. Now, when you were working with Jonathan, when did you guys start to bring – David and Austin into the picture. Were you guys all together at that point when Jonathan moved up there or no? No. So so we, I had, while I was waiting for him to move up, I had found a, a drummer 
um, that was consistent at the time. And we would just have like this, this endless rotation of lead guitar players that kept coming in and out of the wow. band. We had a pedal steel player for a while, a fiddle player for a while. You know, we were just experimenting with different sounds and cool. seeing who was really, really interested in doing this thing full time like we wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, so it took, you know, I think Jonathan was, with, he had been up and we had been actively gigging for about eight months and then we did open auditions for a lead guitar player. And David heard about it through friend of a friend. Um, he auditioned and, you know, he was personality-wise was a great fit. Funny, he had never played any remotely country music before, but he was super talented, really hungry. And uh, mm-hmm. within like six months, he was just, he was tearing it up. And now he's, you know, I mean, two years into it, he's just incredible. You know, he's exactly what we wanted for the band. Um, and it was about six months after he joined the band, we did the same thing for a drummer, did some open auditions, and Austin had just graduated from college and was interested in doing a full-time project and, you know, similar thing, just a really talented guy, personality was a fit, and, you know, it's been a... Very been cool. A, yeah, it's been really cool seeing what? how the sound is meshed in that time with having the same consistent guys. Yeah, I mean, that's a short period of time. I mean, I've interviewed, I was joking around, you know, I said a couple of weeks ago I had Boboflex on, who, you know, the producer you guys work with, had worked with them. And, you know, you, you hear some of these bands that have, you know, 10, 12 plus years before they, you know, I mean, really kind of hit it to that level. And you guys are only been around a handful of years and you're already doing a great job. So that's that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. It's really cool. Just a real quick, I know you mentioned that Jonathan is this like, you know, cello background. What's it's something interesting about Austin? Where did he go to college for? Uh, so Austin graduated from Capital University right here in Columbus. And uh, he was a dual uh, drum or percussion performance major and audio okay. engineering. So, okay. yes, so he brings a pretty Absolutely, yeah. Cool. David actually had the that? same degree but from uh, Ohio University. He, he did the music performance and audio engineering. So all of the guys wow. are way more, tra- way more <laughs> trained than I am. <laughs> no, but, you know, no, but don't say that because you bring, you bring something to the table, too, your business background, the art stuff. I mean, you guys all bring, you know, something to the table outside of just the music. So that's, that's really cool that you bring that. Absolutely. Well, and, and my did, music background is completely self-taught. So... Yeah, I was you know, just going to say that. I was going to ask you that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So it's fun. It's like, you know, I'll sit down and I'll just write a song because it's just, you know, I've developed that skill set. Uh, and I'll bring it to the guys and they're like, what is going on in this chorus? Like, and they'll break it down and they're like, oh, there's this one measure of like two beats and then it goes back to 4-4. Four, four, and, you know, and it's not like we're playing prog rock. I mean, we're playing, you know, country rock right. straight up the gut. But, you know, there's this stuff in there that, you know, I don't even, I don't think that way, but they think that way. And, you know, I think we're stronger as a group because of it. We have both aspects represented. Right. Yeah, definitely. And what about vocally? Any lessons with that or, again, all just kind of self-taught, natural? So when I was a kid, like eight or nine, my parents, uh, they wanted me to learn piano, actually. <laughs> Which is funny because okay. then years later, guitar was like, you know, not a wasn't going to happen, but uh, I hated piano lessons. I just, I just couldn't do it. And so we compromised and I took vocal lessons and that was really fun. I really enjoyed that. 
I got to take those for like a year, year and a half. And okay. that that helped a lot in terms of just like identifying pitch centers and how to hold my diaphragm. So I definitely had, you know, some uh, introduction into that at a young age. But, I mean, in terms of any like real formal vocal training, it hasn't really been any. Okay. But like you said, you did have some type of foundation as a kid, which you definitely, you know, took something from. So that's cool. Really cool. So let's do this, and I want to make sure it's okay with you first. Is it okay that I'm going to play a couple of songs tonight? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, cool, cool. All right. So I definitely want to play Heartland because that looks like it's one of the uh, the title track um, and single that you guys are currently promoting. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, that song and, and how come you named the album that, and uh, then we'll check it out. Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, this this was one of those tunes that um, – you know, I, I wrote it. It was just a really rough skeleton. I brought it to the guys, and, I mean, it, it really came to life, you know, with the contributions from each of the dudes in the band. David, you know, this was the first song that he decided to to bring in that, that open-tune slide guitar sound that has that, you know, really kind of Almond Brothers swampy rock thing going on. Um, mm-hmm. The drum beat that Austin came up with for the song was, you know, kind of a again, a new introduction into the Sonic Palette for Full Fox Band. Um, so, it was, you know, it was a, a cool approach. Um, you know, when we looked at the body of songs that we had for this record, because we started with, you know, over 30 and then whittled it down to 20 and then we decided on 12, um, we felt like this song, out of all of them, represented really where we were as a band. You know, it's at the end of the day, it's a road song, and it's about finding those places uh, that feel like home and, uh, you know, the Midwest, I mean, we've had, you know, we, we could have moved to LA, we could have moved to Nashville. Um, but you know, we like Columbus, Ohio. It's been working for us so far. And, uh, you know, we like the Midwest It's where we were born and raised and this is always going to feel like home. So. All right. So with that being said, I'm going to put you on hold. We'll check out the song. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about, you know, your, your previous EP, this album, the Kickstarter campaign that you guys, uh, we're able to have fans contribute to and, you know, put out an amazing uh, money so that you could, so they could support you. All right? Cool. Okay. Hold on. All right, everyone. If you're listening to the Carrie Edelman Show right now, you're listening to Philip Fox from the Philip Fox Band. And as I mentioned earlier, they describe themselves as country fried rock and roll. We're going to check out right now the title track, which is titled Heartland, off of their album, that is going to be coming out on September 2nd, so please be sure to keep your eyes out for it, download a copy of it, and uh, pick it up. It's a great album, as you said. There's 12 songs on it, and here we go. Let's check out Heartland, and we'll be back in a moment.
All right, everyone, welcome back to the Carrie Edelman Show. Again, Heartlands by Philip Fox Band. Be sure to check these guys out. They are on a tour right now. You can check them out at philipfoxband.com. And also be sure to pick up a copy of this amazing album that they work so hard on with, of course, the support of their fans. And uh, check it out. September 2nd, it will be released. So let's bring Philip back on. All right, great song, Philip. Awesome stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Very, very cool. So let's talk a little bit about, um, tell us about your first EP, and then we'll start getting into the new album and talk more about that, which was titled Motor City Blood. And, and I'm always interested in analyzing stuff. What did come up with the name for uh, that EP? Uh, well, that was another title track uh, record, and there's a, the, the song okay. in there, Motor City Blood. And uh, that song I wrote, um, like I said, I was born and raised in the Detroit metro area, and I'm fourth generation from there. My my great grandfather moved to Detroit, you know, many moons ago, and uh, he worked and lived in the city. And my grandfather, my dad, my whole family still up there. Um, so the song Motor City Blood, I I wrote a verse for each of those generations, and uh, you know, it's probably to me one of the one of the most meaningful songs I've ever written. And it's, you know, it was really touching to my family. And it was just one of those songs where it's like, it's sort of like Billy Joel's Allentown or, you know, that sort of thing. Right. Where kind of like, you know, you're, you're paying some tribute to where you come from. So. Very cool. Very nice. So with that album, you had uh, five songs on it, correct? Correct. Yep. Yeah. So there were five on that. And then... Talk a little bit about how did you end up meeting, and I don't want to botch this poor guy's name up, uh, the producer Joe, is it Veers or Vries? Veers, Veers, yeah, you got it. <laughs> Veers, okay, there we go. So how did you, um, tell us how you, uh, the story behind how you met him and worked with him on the first EP, and then of course, evidently you had a great experience and you continued to work with him on the new album. Yeah, I mean, we were really, we were looking for, Initially, we were just looking for a, a really good recording space where we felt like we could, you know, feel comfortable and was quality enough um, without being, you know, super controlled. I mean, a lot of the, the big studios, you've got to, you know, go in with, with someone who's sort of taking the reins for you. And we felt like we had a vision for what we wanted the record to sound like. And we just mm-hmm. we needed the space and some, you know, engineering assistance to, to make that happen. And uh, we thought we were going to have to go to Nashville to get what we wanted. You know, we wanted to record to tape. We wanted to have a lot of analog outboard gear. Um, you know, we didn't want to have to do everything in the box digitally. And, uh, you know, we heard about Sonic Lounge, which is south of town here in Columbus. And we called Joe up and went down and, and toured it. And as we were talking with him, you know, uh, we were explaining kind of what we wanted to do, and he's like, oh, well, we've got that here and this, and, you know, he rolled out the tape deck, and it's like, okay, wow, you guys literally have everything here that we need. We can we can, right. we can track live, but they still had all the ISO rooms. Uh, and then, you know, we started talking with Joe about the kind of music, and he and he, he plays in a in a band, and he's like, it's kind of like uh, the Black Crows meet Shooter Jennings, and we're like, Jesus, I mean, this guy, like, he's playing for fun the kind of music that we're going to record, you know, like, this is going to be a great right. trip. Yeah. So, Very it, was, cool. it was a fantastic That's how you guys, experience. sounds like it's, that's how you guys met up with him, just by you basically calling him on the phone and setting up some time to go down there. Absolutely, yeah, and, when, you know, when we were ready to go in and record the record, you know, he had heard 
he had heard, you know, I think he had come to see us play live once, and he had a little bit of an idea of what we wanted to do, but that was way more, the first record was more of us sort of directing it, you know, saying we're going for this kind of sound, we want this, and Joe's the kind of guy he's going to throw his, his teeth in there, you know, when it needs to be mm-hmm. inputted anyway. Um, but it was, you know, it was definitely more of a, of us directing and him executing. Uh, and, you know, when we when we decided to do Heartland with him again, we wanted to bring him more, uh, you know, in the front end of the process. So we got him involved way, way earlier on. Cool. Very cool. So when you started to work on Heartland, that was, I guess, when was that? Was that in some time of 2013? Yeah, that was January of 2013. <laughs> I mean, we had been working on right. the song prior to that, but that was the first right. time that we did a, we did a pre-production session. We just, you know, set up our own recording gear and laid down some tracks and started to listen to the songs outside of the practice room. And uh, so, yeah, it's been it's been like 20 months. It's crazy. Right, right. Well, like you said, I mean, you didn't start out with, you know, a few songs. You you had a log of, like you said, continue to break down. And tell us a little bit about. I thought it was really interesting. I was when I was doing some research and reading about you guys you actually were using the fans to help you guys, you know, pick some of the songs, or did the fans end up picking all the songs by letting you guys know which ones were their favorite when they went out to see you guys play some shows? Yeah, it was a combination. We did several shows specifically um, that were all, the whole show, we did two sets, and we played the 20 songs that we had done pre-production on, and we wanted Mm -hmm. to get fan feedback, so we asked them, you know, we had these printed cards, and we asked them to, to rate the songs and give us any feedback that they had. And uh, it was yeah, it was very valuable going into that that process. You know, having mm-hmm. an idea of like, you know, this this song is super well loved, and this song, you know, people just didn't really like. And, and there's a lot of factors that go into it. And I, to be honest, I can't even remember now, like, you know, how much that ended up getting weighted into the final decision. But right. I mean, it was definitely, you know, it was definitely part of the process for sure. Cool, cool. And then from there, was it after you guys had done the shows that you decided to launch the Kickstarter campaign? Um, no, from there we decided to just, you know, to get into the studio as soon as we could. Uh, I think, you know, we did those shows last summer, the summer of 2013. Okay. And we we entered the studio in November of 2013. Um and really, I mean, we just, we, I think we logged over 300 hours in the studio between November and the end of the year. So we just went in and, you know, every day off that we had, we were in the studio uh, recording, you know, 10, 12-hour sessions. And by January, we had nearly all of the tracking done, and we looked at, you know, the financial forecast, and we were like, well, you know, we've got the music nearly in the can, mm-hmm. But in terms of, you know, we spent a lot of money recording it, and we just realized, you know, if, if we're going to put this record out right, um, then we're going to have to, we're going to need more money than we're going to be able to just earn from gigging between, you know, now and when we want to put the record out. So then that's when it became right. apparent, like, we have to come to the, we have to go to the fans because they've been asking for this music for so long. We can't tell them right, it's right. 2015 until the record comes out, you know. <laughs> So that's when we, that's when we hit on the Kickstarter idea, and we said, okay, we're gonna we're just gonna have to launch that and put it in their lap and say, if you guys want the record to come out this year, 
you know, we have to raise this much money, and, you know, they came through for us, so. Yeah, that was great. I was, I was again, I was looking at the the campaign site with all the different, you know, things that you had to offer for the fans, and it was cool to read. I, I forget where I read this, but I read something about how, I don't know, was Kickstarter new at that time? You made it sound like in some interview I read where you probably would have raised even more, and I mean 18000 is phenomenal, if people were more familiar with either Kickstarter or the Internet. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something along those lines that people weren't just, you know, as aware of it. Well, and I'll tell you, I mean, that was shocking to us, to be honest. We didn't expect that. Um, right. But at the end of the day, you know, most of our shows, I mean, we don't play a lot of big urban centers. I mean, we're starting to play more cities now, but the last three mm-hmm. years, I mean, our, our bread and butter has been, you know, honky-tonks out in the middle of, you know, this some town, you know, and it's been very rural. And because of that, I, I mean, we're we're – after talking right. with fans about it, you know, they just, they're not, you know, they don't live and die on the internet. They don't spend a lot of time in their computers. You know, if they're checking Facebook, it's on their, you know, four-year-old LG phone, you know, <laughs> they can only do so much. No, things, that makes you know? sense. Right. You so know, that they, makes they sense. Now, now I understand. Kickstarter, you know, they just didn't know what it was. They didn't, they didn't have any concept for what crowdsourcing is, you know? So we had to, mm-hmm. we really, the, the first, two weeks of the campaign, of the four-week campaign, we had to just, we were just educating. You know, we probably each spent multiple hours a day fielding in emails and online chatting with people and calling people and talking with people after shows and just trying to explain the concept. And once people got the concept, like, if you want the record to come out, we have to raise this much money. If we don't hit this goal, we don't get any money and the record doesn't come right. out. Then it was like, oh, it makes sense now. I get it. But it was just a, it was a hard thing to explain. No, but it sounds like, and again, the challenges that came along with it still in the end paid off because you were able to educate the people and, you know, they wanted the album that badly. So that's, that's great. Yeah, it worked out. <laughs> we're very thankful. So let's do this. Let's play a second song. And I saw you were, you guys said someone had tagged you yesterday and was posting about you are the girl. So I felt like that was a really cool song. I liked the vibe for that one. Um, tell us a little bit about that one, we'll, and then we'll check that out, and then come back and talk about the shows and uh, any other news and information you want to share about uh, the band. Cool. Yeah, this song is actually probably about the complete opposite of Heartland and its and its uh, origin. I had started writing this song like six years ago, and I had the intro, the verse, and it started with that, you know, that ba-da-doom, 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 that that mm-hmm. signature guitar riff of it. Um, but I just, I could not, the chorus that I had was just, it just didn't fit. And I was doing a songwriting weekend with a buddy of mine. And I pulled that song out because I was just frustrated by it. And he immediately was, you know, just knew where it needed to go. And, you know, the, the song just sort of came together at that point in like a half an hour. And and then I just sat on it. You know, this is way before Philip Fox Band even existed. And uh, once we got, once we had the lineup of, of David and Austin, you know, I, I brought this to the to the group. And again, I think because I'd lived with the song for so long, I had all the parts. I mean, I, I heard the drum beat. I heard the guitar parts. I heard where the bass, what the bass needed to do. I heard the harmonies. And it was just one of those things where it was like, you play this, you play that, you play this. And we put it together. Right. It's like, okay, yeah, that's great. Done, you know. And uh, it wasn't until we were in the studio that we we just weren't happy with the intro with the guitars playing that lick. 
and uh, we've been hanging out with our, our buddy Brad, who's in Nashville Crush, and he's just a phenomenal banjo player. And I asked him, I was like, you want to come down to the studio and just lay down some banjo tracks, and I'll send you the tracks we have and just see what you can mm-hmm. do. And so he listened to it on the way down. He drove down from Lima, and I don't know, maybe an hour and a half drive to Columbus, and he walked in the studio, and we're playing it, and he's, he pulls out his band. He's like, so you think something like this? You know, and just nails it. I mean, it's like the exact part you hear on the record. We're like, yes, exactly nice. that. Put a mic in front of him right now, you know. So. Cool. And what's what's the concept? What's the meaning behind it? Uh, I mean, you know, it's this is just uh, this it's is kinda, a. Would you say it's kind of open to interpretation in terms of the listener can kind of make their own, you know? I don't. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I I think every song in some way has some some personal meaning. But I mean, this is I I write songs that you know, are pretty pretty straightforward. And this is a song of, you know, there's a lot, especially doing what we're doing now. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, it's easy to get distracted and, you know, you're gone for a week at a time and you come home and you're still putting in 12-hour days and you're working third shift, you know, and you're going to bed at 6 a.m. But this is that song where it's like, you know, no, I'm coming home to my wife. You know, she's the one I'm coming home to. You know, I'm setting aside everything else. It's just us tonight, you know, crack open a bottle of wine or bourbon or whatever. And, you know, it's just you and me, nothing else. Not, I'm, I'm throwing everything else away right nice. now. Nice. Cool. All right. Well, well said. Let's, uh, let's put you on hold. We'll check that out, and then we'll uh, come back, okay? Cool. Okay. All right, everyone. Again, you're listening to Philip Fox from the Philip Fox Band. And if you tuned in late by any chance after the show is over, a podcast will be available for you to download or stream for free. So uh, be sure to uh, share the link and spread the word about these guys and their amazing new album, Heartlands. Right now, we're going to check out You Are the Girl, which is another track off of their album that will be out on September 2nd. So let's take a listen, and then we'll be back in a moment.
All right, everyone, again, welcome back to the Carrie Edelman Show, and that was the Philip Fox Band's song, You Are the Girl, which is going to be off their album Heartland out on September 2nd. So be sure to pick up a copy of their album, and you can check them out at philipfoxband.com for upcoming shows and tour dates. Just want to do a quick plug, and uh, one of the promotions we do is Gavin's Den. It is a fast-paced podcast featuring comedians Gavin Rosenblatt, Joe Curry, and Pip Helix. So if you're looking for a show that can make you think and laugh, then Gavin's Den is the show for you. They go live Tuesday nights at 6.30 p.m. Eastern to watch live episodes here or watch old episodes or to find more out about the show, go to Davin's Den page at davincomedy.com. All right, let's bring Philip back on. Okay, very cool song, Philip. I love that song. It has a really good hook and just kind of pulls you right in. You there? Okay, I'm not sure. Oh, <laughs> there you okay. are. I was like, you there? Yeah, no, great song. It's just really catchy and, yeah, really, really cool stuff. You there, Phil? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, no, that song, okay, that song so, works really well. Works really well live, too. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's an awesome song, awesome track. So why don't we talk? Let's talk a little bit about uh, what you guys have in store right now in terms of, you know, upcoming shows and, uh, you know, promote some of that stuff. And we'll, you know, go back and forth and talk about some other interesting uh, information about you guys. Uh, well, the big thing on the radar right now is getting ready for the, the record to drop. And uh, most of September we're doing CD release shows uh, around the state of Ohio and Michigan, um, kind of going to the the places that are have been most supportive of us over the last you know three years and the Columbus show is going to be awesome. We're having a, we have an eleven piece band with us that night. We're going to have a string section from the Columbus Symphony Orchestra and horn section, wow. pedal steel, keyboard player. So yeah, that that show is going to be incredible. We're we're basically going to be able to replicate the record uh, almost track. And how track. really quick? How do you prepare for that with all those? additional pieces that I'm sure, like you said, are just going to make it sound that much fuller and richer. How do you guys uh, practice for something like that? Well, we're actually having a rehearsal tonight <laughs> later on. Okay. <laughs> uh, we're we're going we're gonna to have the keyboard player in. Um, it, you know, it's uh, with the with the horn and string players, again, with, with Jonathan, our bass player, and his background, he wrote all of the string and horn parts for the record, you know, it actually charted them out. So, we're able to give oh those gosh. folks, you know, sheet music. Um, and fortunately, we were able to get most of the players that actually recorded on the record. So, you know, they've, they've cool. got the parts. Um, we're actually going to get to the venue ahead of time that day and run through some of the more complicated songs a couple times. Uh, but, yeah, it'll be, it's going to be it'll be exciting. You know, it's one of those things, if we, if we land it, it'll be a whole month for sure. Definitely. And what's the exact date of that show? That one's September 5th. It's at Scully's Music okay. Diner in Columbus. So, as you said, it drops on September 2nd, and it's going to be available, I'm assuming, all the major digital sites. Do you have hard copies for people to purchase? Yes. Yep. Yeah, it'll be on iTunes, Amazon, you know, Rhapsody, Spotify, all of those places. Um, and then, yeah, physical copies, they can either get them at shows or they can, they can order them through com and we'll ship them right to them. Nice. Great, great. 
And so um, I know you mentioned earlier when you guys were, like you said, putting all this money into the album before you even started the Kickstarter thing. You Are you working, too, while you're doing all these shows and putting the album out? No. Fortunately, I was able to quit the day job about uh, almost two years ago now. Um, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, we would <laughs> – that's part of, you know, you were talking earlier about time frame and kind of where we've come in the last three years and a lot of that's been since you know Jonathan's been full-time working for the band uh since he moved up to Ohio three and a half years ago and then I've been full-time within almost two years and uh you know we've got David now who's also doing other things for the band other than just playing guitar and we've even got Austin doing some video production and stuff now so yes everyone's pitching in and doing what we can do and Nice. nice. And how did you guys meet um how did you guys meet Doug Weber of uh New Ocean Media? Uh I think it was through that through Joe Veers, since he had worked with Boba Flex and uh mm-hmm. Doug also manages Boba Flex on top of working for New Ocean and uh, you know, they it was just one of those connections where Joe knew we were looking for someone to help promote the record and uh they had had a good experience, so he put us in touch with with Marty. And uh, we talked to him, and he gave us Doug's number, and rest is history. Very cool. Very cool. And where are you guys at right now, um, Philip, in terms of, you know, it sounds like besides Doug Weber with New Ocean Media, you guys are pretty much managing everything independently? Yeah, we're as independent as it comes right now. Um, you know, it's getting harder and harder to be able to, to do everything. Um, right. We haven't found, you know, the right the right folks to partner with, you know, we, we, fortunately we've actually, we, we've been having less of a, uh, it's been less work doing booking, keep finding more and more like different booking agencies and independent agents that have been really excited about the band. And so we get a lot of bookings through referrals that way now. Um, so that helps a lot, but you know, we keep taking one day at a time and as we meet the right people to work with, you know, the pieces keep falling into place. So. Definitely. And I'm sure it's just a matter of time before you guys find, like you said, the right, whether it's a label or, you know, additional team members to help you guys just, you know, get to that next level so you don't have to be doing all this work on your own because I can't imagine how, you know, difficult and challenging that must be. It's an awful lot of work. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Mean, <laughs> yeah. I don't know that we can keep this up for five more years, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Well, um, again, you guys are going to get there. You're already partially there. So, like you said, I think it's a matter of you guys finding the right fit. I'm sure you guys have had offers and, and you know, interest, but it's probably a matter of you guys really wanting to just pick the right people, and that's that's so important, you know? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, this is, you know, for, for Jonathan and I, when we started, we had both, you know, we both had jobs, and we were making, you know, decent money and, you know, but it, doing the doing music wasn't about you know just making money. It was about doing what we love to do. It was one of those right. moments of of clarity early on. We were like, oh god, I'm visualizing myself 20 years from now doing this, and I'm gonna hate my life. So you know, from the get go, it was about it, it's always been about you know maintaining enough control so that we can play the music that we love to play. I mean, there'd be nothing worse than than going out night after night and just playing music that you're not passionate about. Right, right. Definitely, 
definitely. So tell us some interesting things. What do you guys, I know you're pretty much 150% just doing music all the time, but what are some interesting hobbies or things that you guys like outside of it, whether it's, you know, watching films, certain types of sports, anything interesting that you guys like to do? Well, we're all big Ohio State Buckeye fans. So <laughs> okay. <laughs> come, come football season, you know, that's the, that's actually the hard. I mean, this year they're playing a bunch of night games. It used to be they'd always play at noon, and so you could watch the game and then, you know, go load in and play a show or whatever. But uh, well, I don't know how we're going to manage that. We might we have to TiVo some stuff this season and then, you know, <laughs> tell everybody, don't don't tell us right. what happened. Okay, so that's and, – and any other types of, you know, things that you guys like to do outside of that? You know, I mean, the hardest, uh, probably the hardest part for me in in moving to do music full time is that for so long it was my hobby, and you know, right. so it's you know, I just really don't have any hobbies now. That I, you know, when I'm not when I'm not doing this, I'm you know, I'm spending time with my wife and my son, and sure. uh, trying trying to do as little as possible at that point. You know. <laughs> Uh, just relax, basically, right? You just want exactly. to kind of relax and detect exactly. and just forget about everything, right? Um, here's yes. the, we'll just do this. I don't usually do this, but I've always wanted to. What's your favorite favorite food, film or movie that you can recall? Whether it's growing up as a kid, as an adult, what was your what can you remember that was your favorite? Man, I know it's cheesy, but I, I always loved uh, Smokey and the Bandit. I was just a big okay. Burt Reynolds fast car. You know, especially even as a kid, you know, just always love that kind of stuff. So we we cover nice. Eastbound and Down as a band, and, and we had some fun with it. And yeah, I just I love those old like cheesy '80s action movies. Nice, that's cool. Well, that's what I mean. That's what fans like too. We want to hear some interesting things about you guys. We, you know, we know you're talented musicians and you put out some great music, but we want to know who you are as people up there. So cool. Well, thank you for sharing that. So yeah, no um, yeah. any. Anything else that you want to promote, Philip? You know, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, you know, where people can find you, all that good stuff. Yeah, definitely. I mean, our, our website, philipfoxband.com, uh, pretty much there's links, you know, to everything else from there. But we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's all Philip Fox Band. If you just Google Philip Fox Band, it, you know, it all comes up. We love engaging with people on Facebook and Twitter. So, you know, if people have other questions or want to find us there or, you know, just want to see what's going on. Post crazy pictures of you know Austin at midnight in his boxers in the hotel room. You know, sometimes that stuff leaks <laughs> on there. So you know, <laughs> cool. Well, you know, I want to just wish you guys much continued success. It was a pleasure having you on, supporting the bands, and promoting it for you. And um, you know, please continue to promote the podcast. It gets a lot of good listens, so that's definitely a way to get it out there if people couldn't listen to the live interview. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll post it up. Cool. So, yeah, so thank you so much. And, uh, yeah, keep in touch. Let me know what's to come in the future. If you put out any more music, you're always welcome to come back on the show. Okay, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Thanks for having us. It's been been great. Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, Philip, and uh, good luck with everything. Thanks, Carrie. Okay, take care. Bye. All right, everyone, again, Philip Fox from the Philip Fox Band. If you tuned in late, you can download the podcast or stream it after the show is over, and it'll be over in a couple of minutes. So thank you again for everyone 
tuning in tonight and supporting all these amazing artists that I have the honor and pleasure of interviewing on my show. And as I said, we really take you on a cool journey. You learn a lot of the a lot about these people that you won't be able to see in um, in other interviews that you will, um, you know, read about on the Internet or check out through other radio shows. So um, if you have a Twitter account, you can follow me at Carrie Edelman. If you follow me, I will follow you. And also please befriend me on Facebook. Love to keep in touch with people personally that way and kindly become a fan of the Carrie Edelman Show on Facebook, and that's where I keep all of my upcoming events, um, posts and things for upcoming shows, guests, and more. So thank you so much for tuning in tonight. And again, support the Philip Fox Band. These guys have a great album, Heartland. It is coming out on September 2nd. And visit them at philipfoxband.com for upcoming shows and more information on them. Thank you so much, and have a great night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.